Hello world, you're welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's been a little while, welcome to another week. I skipped the last week so I could publish and, you know, reset my schedule and get back to publishing episodes on Mondays or Tuesdays. I really don't like the idea of publishing on Thursdays, so I skipped the last week and now we're back. Welcome back to the table, everybody. Um, Today we're going to be spitballing once again. But this is not a Mind of Christ episode, it's just a spitball episode. I have a topic, I've thought about it, and I'm ready to talk about it, but there's no like, prepared script or anything. Well, I hope you are hungry. Grab a seat at the table. We are about to rumble. Yeah, let's go, everybody. Welcome back to Axstar, the podcast. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back once again to Axstar, the podcast. On today's episode, like I said earlier, we're kind of spitballing, but it's not like the mind of Christ. Now, please, I want to want to warn everybody. Excuse me if I cough at any point during the recording, because as I'm recording right now, I have a very very sore throat. I believe I'm healed and I'm getting better, but right now I just <clears throat> at awkward times just need to clear it up. Today, like I said, we're going to be spitballing a bit, but not exactly in a Mind of Christ episode style. I have a topic I've thought about. I'm just not working with a particular script. Now that you think, now that I think about it, that's how I've recorded most of the recent episodes, especially since I got back. So, at the end of the day, there's nothing really special about this episode. It's just another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about um, what I've decided to call the Gospel of Sanctification. The Gospel of Sanctification. Now, I'm just going to jump right into it and ask and answer, first of all, what that little word there means, sanctification. Now, first of all, to address what that means, we want to talk about, first of all, justification. Now, justification is basically, when when we're talking about the Gospel and justification, justification is the reason that we can say, that a believer can say that, he is or she is a believer it's the gospel of justification now <clears throat> grace the grace of jesus christ given to the believer works first to justify him before god now if you go through the history of the bible you read through the old testament and how the israelites related with god and how of course their uncleanliness had to be atoned for by animal sacrifices and (coughs) sorry all of that because to approach god you had to be pure you had to you know be perfect in a sense to be approached to approach god to i don't want to say approachable because god is the one that's supposed to be approachable but for god to be approachable for you now you see this through the book of um you see these kinds of the rituals they used to perform to purify themselves to approach the lord in the books places like the book of leviticus the ritual cleansings peace offerings um sin offerings all those kinds of things <clears throat> but now the difference in the dispensation of jesus that jesus christ has given us a dispensation of his grace the difference now is that we no longer need to do any of those sacrifices because there has been an ultimate 
sacrifice given on our behalf and that is jesus christ now because of the sacrifice of jesus christ which supersedes any animal sacrifice or any other sacrifice that can has or will be given the believer who comes into that knowledge and reality and accepts jesus christ as lord and as savior and has become a new person in him is justified before god what that means is that the sacrifice of jesus christ opens a way for us to approach god it makes god approachable for us without any you know manipulations or rapids to maneuver in order to get there now because of the dispensation and the justification by grace through jesus christ we are able to approach god without having to go the way the israelites did you know through the animal sacrifices um you know sacrifices of purification purification rituals sin offerings and all of that we have been given access directly to the father like you'd say there is no veil there is no distance there is no barrier between us and the lord because of the grace that justifies us before god through christ jesus now when we understand what justification is justification is the reason that we that is where the principle comes that we are saved by grace through faith we are saved by the grace that justifies us through faith in christ jesus that's what that means so even though we are not perfect in ourselves we are made perfect by believing in jesus christ and because we have been made perfect in that sense we are now approach we can now approach god now that's one side of grace i've been able to explain what is called the grace that justifies the grace of justification now the other side of grace that is very very commonly these days neglected in the body of christ is what we're talking about today the gospel of the grace of sanctification now what does sanctification mean now the bible says to us that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling now you say that we've already been completely made perfect and saved now that is true but then the bible says that we have to work out that salvation with fear and trembling now here's the thing um, the bible is very very specific in this particular angle now you see what does what is sanctification sanctification is now being made pure now you said well but you already said that we we're justified and made perfect so why do we now need to be made pure again the bible says that we have to work out our salvation now here is the reason we have to be made pure the bible says that james wrote and he said that um faith without works is dead some people might say that um show me um um your faith and i will show you my works but james said i will show you my faith through my works what does that mean what it means is that now we are justified in christ jesus and we are we can approach the father because we are made perfect in him now the thing that is the fact that comes with justification but then the grace that sanctifies us is now what you would call the evidence of that justification now many people like to say that oh you've been saved and justified before christ so there is no there is no way to escape that salvation that you have been granted in christ jesus now this, this analogy that my father likes to use people say that um i was not saved by my own works by my works therefore i cannot be condemned by my works and then it says that okay think about this you had no part no say no contribution to your birth 
you your works did not give birth to you but by your own works can you not terminate your own life you see now <clears throat> what does that analogy mean it means therefore that you see saying that we were not saved by our works but we're saved by grace therefore we cannot be condemned by our works and there is no way for us to lose our salvation when we do not live a holy life now <clears throat> this might seem like a very like fatalistic way to put it but that is a narrative that has been pushed a lot in the body of christ in many segments today the once saved always saved gospel now this gospel tends to trump or truncate the gospel of sanctification the grace that sanctifies us the grace that tells us that we have to work out our salvation through fear and trembling now i want to give you another analogy now <clears throat> you look at a car now the fact that to say that something is a car you know it looks like a car you go inside it has the bodies of the body parts of a car now to say that a car is a car when you see a car on the roadside you haven't started the car you haven't tried to move the car you haven't tried to drive the car you haven't tried to wind down the car glass but you see a car and you can say that look that's a car because it has been given the body shape of a car the manufacturer made it into a car that is kind of like what the um, gospel the grace that justifies us is it the grace that justifies the justification through grace in Christ Jesus has given us a new identity has changed our form given us a new name now this is what god has called us but now let's go back to our car analogy now we said that we we're able to recognize this as a car by just moving past but then when we begin if we ever had the opportunity to relate with this car maybe they said we should go drive it now you've agreed that it is a car it's evident that this is a car but then you get in and try to start it and it starts now the fact that it started the engine started is not what made it a car if the engine were dead it would still be a car but what now becomes the true evidence of this functioning car if it does not start there is no evidence that this car is functional if it doesn't start the evidence of the functionality of this car even though we have agreed that it's a car is that it functions now this is the same way it works with our salvation we've been justified by faith we have that faith but then people seem to forget that it's possible even the bible said that faith can be dead it can be non-functioning now what gives it that function the grace that sanctifies now the grace that sanctifies now sanctification the works that we do are good works they are not what justify us but this is the evidence that our justification is alive and is real our faith is alive the Bible said that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What that means is that we should carefully, consistently do the works that are good in Christ Jesus to take us from a place. Now, Jesus Christ has justified us and brought us, given us access to the Father. But in ourselves, we are not yet perfect. We have been made perfect through him, but he still wants us to approach the pinnacle of perfection now this might sound a little confusing that is there like are there levels of perfection well according to the bible yes they are the most perfect jesus that is the level of perfection that we are trying to attain now when god looks at us through jesus christ that he sees us through that like let me call it a glass screen 
And because he's looking at us through Jesus, those who are in Jesus, that is what he now sees them through that light as perfect. But then the glass screen is above us and our duty as believers consistently is to try and approach it. We're trying to get to the top. We're trying to become to a point where we don't, where we can be at the very edge of the glass screen and even stand upon it. Where God can look directly at us and see himself, see Jesus Christ without having to look through Jesus Christ. I don't know if any of this makes sense. Paul said that, you see, when you, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, towards the end, he said that we see unclearly as in a mirror now, but towards the end of time, like, you know, prophecy will fade away there will be no need for prophecy because we will see clearer and clearer and clearer till we behold him perfectly the image that we see in the mirror now that image that is the mirror that's unclear is jesus christ that was what he was trying to explain right now when we need prophecy and all of them speaking of tongues and prophecy is because we are trying to see him clearly in that mirror the image in the mirror is trying to be let me say sharpened it's blurry now what unblurs the what sharpens or unblurs the mirror the image in the mirror that image of jesus christ that we are trying to see completely clearly and here's the second part of that scripture and have it see us completely clearly which means that we will be exactly like the image that we have seen in the mirror the image is jesus christ now that we are seeing it clearly it means that we have become that image has become a complete reflection of who we are that's why we're seeing it clearly so when you look in the mirror, you're seeing Jesus and Jesus is seeing you right back. What happens that you become the same person? How do you attain that? That's where sanctification comes in. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you see, the purpose that God created humans for was... Have you ever wondered why Jesus was called was always called the Son of Man? Now, I'm going to give you like an explanation. Try short and simple. He was the seed of what man was intended to become, what man, God intended man to be. Now, God did not make man just so that he can have people to populate the earth. They say that, you know, the Bible said that in Genesis when they were creating, he said he called him, he, he spoke to himself and said that now let us make man in our image and our likeness. And he breathed his spirit into them. What God was trying to do when he made man was to populate the earth with himself. He made man so he can bring him up to the complete point where what he would have in Adam was another God. That's what he wanted. But of course, the fall happened and all of that, and he had to restore man through the working of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm really, really sorry. There's a lot of um, noise in the background from cars passing by. I'm recording rather early. I usually record much later at night, but I had to get this done. I really needed to get this done. I had to really, you know, go into this recording. So, like I said, Jesus has restored us, the justification. Now we are trying to get, we've been restored to the point of where Adam was created. And now we're trying to attain where God wanted him to be. How do we attain that? We work continuously working on our salvation with fear and trembling doing the good works which he has laid out and intended for us to do now here is here is here is here here's the fact we're not doing those good works because we want to be saved we're doing those good works because we are saved and this is the evidence of our salvation the working out is the evidence our faith exists but we want this faith to not be dead 
Paul writing to the Romans said that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound now this is the part <laughs> of the grace gospel that the once saved always saved movement will find very difficult to refute what was his response he said god forbid now god forbid being that no we will not continue in sin saying that there is grace abundant for us now paul was the apostle of grace he was the proponent of the grace that make it like you know justified sanctified righteous the grace that make it righteous but then he was the one that said that shall we continue in sin that grace may abide or is it about i can't abide sorry and he said god forbid meaning that no the evidence of this grace that has been given to us is that our lives are changed now there is no true salvation without repentance Paul made it evidently clear there is no salvation without repentance. You must first of all turn from your evil ways. That is the evidence of salvation. Now, repentance is not what saves you. No, repentance is the sign that you have been saved. That's the beautiful thing. Jesus, whenever he would maybe when you remember in the in the Bible when they brought the woman that was caught in adultery before him and said that whether they should stone her and then he said um, to them that those who have not committed adultery please cast the first stone and then all of them walked away because they could not um they could not prove themselves innocent to stone her now there's notice this thing that what jesus said to that woman he said where are your accusers and then she replied to him that none of them are here anymore lord and then she said and then he said to her that neither will i condemn you now go go and sin no more now what he had done to her in that instance was given her the power to walk above sin but then the evidence of what he had just given to her would be her not sin anymore now she was not saved because she would go and not commit adultery anymore no she was saved because he had given her the power by his word he said to her go and sin no more that was what saved her that was what forgave her sins that's what gave her the power that was the justification go and sin no more but the evidence to support that power that had been given to her would be her actually going and sinning no more i hope you're trying to see the connection you're seeing the connection i'm trying to make that the repentance is an absolute necessary consequence of salvation there is no there is no salvation without repentance there is no true justification that does not lead to sanctification people who are called to the following of jesus christ one of the things that are that is evident about them the true believers is that they are lovers of righteousness they are always trying to please the lord which is why i have a problem with once saved always saved the people that push that gospel that there is no way to lose your salvation the problem with that the real problem is not i'm not talking about the fact i'm never going to the bible and talking about the fact the real problem is that if you were a lover of the lord you would be a lover of righteousness but since you are pushing this doctrine so hard it means that you are not a lover and pursuer of righteousness and since you are not a lover and pursuer of righteousness you are not a lover of the lord if you love god you will love righteousness when you keep on saying that how you live does not matter because Jesus has already paid the price and you are justified, it means that you do not love righteousness. And since you don't love righteousness, you do not love God. There's no there's no way to paint it. 
the Bible, Jesus said that he, they that love me will keep my commandments. So those that will not keep his commandments, whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, take it from me who is bringing it from the scriptures. You do not love Jesus. If you loved Jesus, you would do the things that would please him. You would be a lover of righteousness. That is the that is the down that is the like the base problem here. Not even I'm not talking about the facts and how I'm trying to disprove it, even though there's multiple scriptures I've given multiple right here in this recording as to why the one saved always saved gospel that negates the gospel of the grace of sanctification cannot be true. But apart from that, let's look at the facts. People, believers, were called to love the Lord with all our heart, all our strength, all our everything, and then love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, the loving the Lord is the first thing. Now, how can you say you love the Lord when you will not do the things that would make him happy? When you would not do the things, that that's the thing. How do you say you love somebody and then you're okay with offending them just because you say, eh, he has already forgiven me. He has forgiven me, don't worry. That's the problem. Even if you do believe that he has forgiven you and therefore he will not condemn you, why are you deliberately making him sad? Now, I tried to very um, quickly to prove to you that you can be condemned. I can prove to you again. You see, when um, in the book of Revelations, he was writing to a particular church, I can't remember, and he said that after he gave him instruction, he said that um, they that do this, will, um, he will not erase their names from the book of um, from the book of life. Now, that statement clearly connotes that names can be erased from the book of life, that they can be erased. You can be removed. Your salvation can be revoked if you revoke the Lord. That's the. You, I don't know how people miss this because it's in our Bible. The way people just, you know, skip over the parts of the Bible that are not important to their doctrine. Some people even go as far and say that even if you deny the Lord Jesus Christ, your salvation is intact. Meanwhile, the Bible said in, was it First Timothy, that you see, if we deny him before men, he will deny us before our father. I, like, it's, it's there. If you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. What he literally said in that scripture was like, look, if you deny me, I will deny you. Yet people will come and be like, our salvation is intact, even if we deny Jesus Christ. And there's hardly anything more blasphemous than this. But it's there in the body of Christ today. We become so lax in our thinking that that's the level we've stooped to. And that's why we're being overcome in the world a lot of times. Because you see that fatalistic Christianity that got the apostles to where they were in the book of Acts. We've lost it. Now we're considering what can... We're not thinking of what will please God. We're thinking of what God can tolerate. That's the problem. That's where we've gotten to. We're not thinking of what he wants. We're thinking of what he'll tolerate. The book, the the churches in the book, the church in the book of Acts was thinking of what God wanted, what he needed, trying to please him consistently. But the church currently in modern world is looking to test the limits of his patience. Now, here's the funny thing that God is infinitely patient. He's so patient. So when you manage to test him to the point where he's no longer patient, you know you've really lost a lot of ground and that's where we are today in the church slipping and slipping and slipping further away because of doctrines like this that say that encourage unrighteousness because people will believe that hey and here's the funny thing you never really know what's driving people because people that push these doctrines you don't know what's driving them you never know what's driving them and people that follow these things they've already made up in their hearts not to work to walk in 
the ways of righteousness they've been looking for an excuse and then boom you find it that your salvation is not by your works it's by faith but then you skip over the fact that the bible said in the book of james that faith that does not have works to show is dead and that faith cannot save anybody i was getting to that can that faith save anybody no it cannot that's what the bible says. can such a faith save anyone faith that has no life cannot save what does that mean faith that has no life will send you to hell do not be deceived for a second that you can be a worker of iniquity and because you answered an auto call when you were 10 years old that you end up in heaven do not be deceived you don't mock god like that you don't play with him he's not he's not a five-year-old child who just is begging for you to just pat him on the head every once in a while hey i'm going to the club to go rock a few girls and have a few drinks and just smoke my life away when i come home i'm going to pray for five minutes and everything's going to be okay look you should know one thing for sure the last person the last person that needs you to be saved that needs your salvation is god himself you did not know that but i'm going to tell you that the person that needs you to be saved the least the least is god himself here's the thing he doesn't need you to be saved you see he's not begging for people to fill heaven up like he got a lot of vacant space in heaven and he needs tenants <coughs> sorry about that no he's not begging if you wanted to fill up heaven he can make as many inhabitants as he needed so when he's giving these instructions when he's giving these guidelines to humans to the people of earth ultimately it is always 100% of the time for their good because he ha- he himself has nothing to benefit people have been deceived to think that God benefits from us no look everything that he does even when it seemingly benefits him in the long run is for our own benefit he's in heaven nothing can pull him from there there is nothing that god has to gain per se everything that he seems like he wants to gain at the end of the day is for our good so when you think that you are maybe doing him a favor by serving him don't get it don't get it wrong he doesn't need that favor from you you're serving him is for your own good so when you think that because christ has paid the price for you and you've accepted that you've done him a favor and now he should let you to live your life i'm going to let you know that he's let you to live your life and then you will have to suffer whatever consequence that comes with it don't think for a second that because you accepted him at one point he's so happy oh my god uh, oh you accepted me i don't want to let you go oh my god i need to ah uh, please 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 oh jesus um i know you need me right now but i know i i i have to go out with this boy okay okay but make sure you come back oh jesus christ don't insult him like that he's not a teenage girl looking for acceptance or validation from her peers or a guy that joined the gang hoping that the gang leader will recognize him he's not he's not that he's the king of kings and lord of lords He's God over everything. Seated at the right hand of God. He gave up equality just so he could come and help you out. Not that he needed anything from you. He just wanted to pull you back up to where you fell from. He was helping. So don't think that he's begging you to accept that help. Look, I have to be fatalistically honest with you. Being a believer, believing on Jesus Christ is not a force game it's a choice game 
But if you are going to choose it, commit to it. There is no... Jesus said that he would spit out the lukewarm. Those people that want friendship with God and friendship with the world. The Bible says that, you see, friendship with the world is enmity with God. There's no two ways about it. You cannot say that you are a friend of God and want to be a friend of the world at the same time. You have to pick a side. God God doesn't share sides. You have been justified, but you must work out your salvation. You must be sanctified through fear and trembling. What does that mean? It means that we know when the Bible says fear, we've like changed it up to mean like holy reverence or respect. But truly, I've read the Bible enough to know that okay, even if you don't want to, even if you don't think fear means fear, tell me what trembling means, because I'm pretty sure trembling doesn't mean respectful reverence. I'm pretty sure that means a shake. So when the Bible says fear, I believe very much that it means fear. So when it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what it directly means is that be afraid in the working out of your salvation. Be so scared that you want to stay on the right path. Holistically and fanatically hold on to it. That's what Jesus wants from you. Look, it's a do or die affair. I'm staying with Jesus because that's the, that's where that's the best place to be. Everywhere else has nothing to offer. So the next time you think that because you have been you you accepted Christ at one point in your life that you are saved and you cannot lose it, remember this: He can and He will spit you out, erase your name from the book of life, and deny you before the Father. I'm gonna sign out in the next segment. Thank you. Let's go. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap for today. I want to thank you all for tuning in once again to the podcast. I hope you were blessed to a high extent today. And to close it all off, a prayer. Now may the God of grace and mercy and favor walk with you throughout the rest of this week, guiding your paths to pleasant places, making the lines to fall for you in pleasant places. Goodness is an angel. Mercy is an angel. Goodness and mercy follow you continually everywhere you go. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you have any questions directly to ask me, you can talk to me, leave a voice message here on Anchor, or check the description. You'll see my Twitter handle. DM me directly on Twitter. I'll make sure to answer you whenever, as soon as I can. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. This is Axstar, signing out.